0: Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, uh, today is one of those kind of episodes that I love. So my friend Simma and I, uh, we kind of reconnected um, after I think it was two or three years and we'll get into that more in the episode. But it's just a great, you know, when people uh, that you know come back into your awareness, right? They might see something that you post, you see something that they post. There's probably a reason... Right? why that is happening. And it's always a great opportunity to reach out, reconnect. That's exactly what Simon and I did. And, uh, and hey, we're here recording a podcast episode today. So sit back, pop in your headphones and uh, make sure to listen to the entire episode because there's going to be at least one thing that you're going to hear today that's gonna help you to change your life and change the life of those around you. So with that, let's roll that episode. You are jamming with Jason Mefford, where you hear inspiring interviews with some amazing people. Some are famous, some may seem ordinary, and they are all doing extraordinary things to positively change the world. Sometimes it's just you and me having an intimate and authentic conversation about how you can change the world around you and rewrite the story of your life by being more authentic, accepting and loving yourself more, and spreading love to others. Since really, all you need is love. And what the world needs now is love, sweet love. We discuss all aspects of self-improvement, growth, and so much more. Great content insightful advice that's practical and helpful to anyone that listens. You're always eager to come back for more and share with your friends and family since you learn something in every episode. So sit back and enjoy the easy listening while you feel seen and heard in this informative, authentic, and entertaining podcast. Now, Let's roll that beautiful podcast footage. All right, Sima, it is good to have you with me again. It's, uh, yeah. I think it was, uh, I think you saw something that I had posted and reached and kind of reached out to me. And so we were able to reconnect.
1: It was a podcast episode you were on.
0: Pod- okay. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Where I was a guest on one of the podcasts that you heard. Exactly. And, um, I think it's been about 3 years or so since we yes. you know really kind of talked we were in a, a coaching mastermind group together. Exactly. But exactly. Um, yeah. It's uh it's great so maybe just just tee it up a little bit just give people kind of the 30 second view of who you are um because I know when we had our our follow up call and now today there's some there's a lot of alignment in what you and I uh, think about and how we're trying to help the world. So an um, important message that I think people need to hear. And we'll yeah. get more into that too. But give everybody kind of the the 30-second okay. thumbnail, who you are, and, right. uh, and then we'll jump in.
1: So I'm Seema Newell, and I coach executives primarily through burnout. I also coach women, in leaders in, in improving communications and, and how to do that effectively because they're often told they're just either too direct mm-hmm. or they're so people pleasing they get you know 19 uh, 19 projects and the guy who got three gets the promotion so
0: that is a stepping <laughs> so stone and we were too.
1: talking before we before we hit record about the you know stress in the workplace and stress at the leadership level in the workplace so that's really my my shtick I got into it by accident because I was harassed and burned out and spent a long time uh, actually on medical leave and wound up losing my job as a result. I won my cases. Like I can actually say I was harassed. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, so you actually
0: got got yeah, some compensation so, for it. The court said, yeah, you were. Harassed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was in the it was in the U.N. system. So it was not, um, you know, Okay. not like what you'd find in America maybe but the principles there and i i went public because as a leader i thought i need to set an example and people need to know what's going on need to know they're not alone and how to handle it i mean <laughs> we've been talking a lot about lessons and like the lessons from that they've just come you know compounded and compounded and compounded and so now i you know having gone through the experience of coaching people, I understand how to support others through that process. So that's me in a nutshell. Well, and, and I'm an engineer by training originally. So I have the whole yeah. left brain shtick too.
0: Yeah. Well, so, and that's, and that's again, where we're kind of common, right? Because I have the accounting left brain yeah. side, you have the engineering left brain side, but neither one of us are really left brain people either. And so I think people are going to see that as we start talking. And yeah. some of the stuff we're talking about, they're like, what?
1: What? I
0: mean, a, an accountant and an engineer get together and you guys were talking about what? Yeah. But I think it's interesting, you know, too, because, you know, I'm here in, in America, but you're in Switzerland, right? Yes. And so yeah. what we're going to talk about today is something, it's not just a U.S. thing. It's not just a Europe thing. No. I mean, this this is happening all over the world, right? And, and oh. you... You experienced burnout, you experienced harassment. I had the same things happen to me, right? And I think that's why both of us are so passionate in helping people not burn out. But I think also in, in just starting to ask some questions and not let their job kill them, right? And again, I say that, right? Like people all over the world, your jobs are killing you and some people are going to be like oh jason that's hyperbole no you know one of my friends found out yesterday one of her colleagues only 67 years old you know seemingly in perfect health and overweight you know healthy but she died unexpectedly and it was because of stress at work right and so you know I don't know. Maybe let's, let's talk about a little bit. Maybe you share a little bit of your story. I share a little bit of my story just so people realize this is a real thing because you and I have both gone through it and maybe they can start to see some of the things that they're going through and how we can kind of help fix this or stop it from happening.
1: So I would imagine we can both agree that somewhere in there, we can come back to it. There's inner game, right?
0: The inner game
1: reacting to the environment Yep and that causes like all of those reactions that each person has causes a a, a compounding effect and when you break that then it, everything else falls into place so that's that's sort of this the end point where i'd start with was my own experience you know i walked into i'd been in this very toxic situation and that's not everybody's situation right but i was in this very toxic situation And I remember one day I walked into the office of one of the um, leaders reporting to me, and I could see her lips moving, and I could hear nothing. Like something's wrong, and I felt so dizzy. So my my uh, assistant brought me to medical services, and my blood pressure was absolutely through the roof. You know, they say it's a silent killer. (laughs) Speaking it is. Language, it is. It is, right? My blood pressure was super. So, you know, I, I was told to lie down for a while and I did. And then I went out for lunch and then I just thought, I can't go back into the office. And then when I couldn't go back into the office, I had this realization of, I really can't go back in that situation ever. <laughs> um And I had leave planned. Like I, I was supposed to go home. I'm originally Canadian, so I was supposed to go go home in a few days and so my my physician put me on sick leave for three days and then I took that time well you know as I learned later burnout's a two-year thing like it's something that takes a long time to actually recover from and what I I also realized because I'm a I'm a nerd I research everything Mm. yay
0: (laughs) your nerds unite right I'm all I'm all with you on that
1: So I started reading, like I watched every TED talk and I read everything I could get my hands on. And I talked to, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, the whole thing to try to figure out, like, what just happened to me? Because I was high performing. I got, you know, everything done. I would never had this kind of issue. I'd actually always had great bosses, no, nothing. And then boom, not functioning and, you know, really not functioning. And so as my brain kind of came back online, I I started reading and I, I was, I was working somewhere where I had access to uh research literature. And so I went into the library online and I found all the, you know, all the scholarly articles and I read them all and realized that 95% of cases where um where you've been uh, mobbed or harassed or bullied, whatever term
0: fits. Call it, yeah.
1: Um that article was using the term mobbing. 95% of the cases where where people are mobbed for a prolonged period. So prolonged period, if I remember correctly, was like it was like six weeks or more or something like that on a daily basis, you know, or weekly basis. It really wasn't that long. Like I'd been going at it for two and a half years, right? And it was far more than weekly. Um 95% of cases get a PTSD that's as severe as trigger warning close your ears if you don't want to hear bad things um rape or war wow and the other five percent get a burnout i was lucky i got a burnout so then i started doing what is behind this why you know why does this even happen and that was a giant rabbit hole and i could talk for hours on that um but maybe i'd love to you know hear what resonates with you jason on that because you said you've been through it too
0: well i've been through it too i mean it was um uh, <clears throat> i had a, a- an issue where I was working at a company. we got a new CEO. Every time that happens, right? All of the executives end up getting cut. And I mean, you know it, right? I mean, i I knew what I was kind of getting into, but, uh, but what I found was a lot of the new peers that he would bring in were like, I mean, we were kind of like a happy family before mm. he got there, right? It's like, yeah, we'd argue with each other. We'd we'd you know, but but it was all there. There was no malice to it, right? Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like we weren't trying to torpedo each other or anything like that. We just have a disagreement. We'd argue about it, and then the decision would be made, would be made, and we moved on. Right. I mean, that was kind of the culture that I was used to. I I really enjoyed that. But like I said, some of these new peers that were coming in, all of a sudden they started doing some some things to me that I just kind of equate to like people dropping or lobbing grenades at you or putting landmines, you know, and it's like all of a sudden you had to start stepping very carefully. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I had some other personal things that were going on. I was on antidepressant medicine. My height, my blood pressure was high. So I was taking blood pressure medicine. And, um, and I remember this one meeting that we had, it was up on the fifth floor, which our, was our executive floor. My my offices were on the third floor. Um, and so I'd gone up, we were in a conference room, we had this meeting and one of the new peers did some really kind of malicious backstabbing things to me in the meeting. Mm-hmm. Really trying to make me look like I had no fucking clue what I was talking about. Right. right? I, with the intention of kind of taking some of my responsibilities to her right and so convincing the CEO look this guy this kid doesn't know what he's talking about I should be the one that runs this function I need to take this away from Jason right and so I remember you know walking out of that meeting right and it's two floors so I usually would walk down uh, and so I go into the stairwell and same thing I'm kind of I'm kind of spinning. I'm a little bit dizzy, like, what the fuck just happened? Right. I mean, I'm yeah. still in a little bit of shock coming out of this. And I walk into the the stairwell to to walk back downstairs, you know. And it's it's the old, you know, concrete metal. And I walked in there and it was like my senses just went on you know, overload. Yeah. I could smell the concrete, I could smell the iron of the you know, wow. steel in the in the in the uh handrails and everything else and I just leaned up against the wall and I couldn't move right I was like I was just like I mean panic attack at work I was just I couldn't move and it was I couldn't move and yet at the same point I had this this like compelling desire to get the hell out of there right like I wanted to run away but I couldn't move right and so I tried to breathe through it after a few minutes. I mean, again, luckily nobody came in the stairwell at the same time, but that was like, that's a big warning flag, right? Yes. And Dude. and like I said, I mean, people think, all oh, this doesn't happen. Well, here's two of us who have had, you know, very similar situations, right? To where the stress and pressure at work you know whether that's from harassment or other things it's real and it starts to affect us physically right i mean both of us actually had physical reactions to this
1: absolutely let's see i have the stats here it's um between 60 and 82 percent, jason of senior leaders report experiencing burnout symptoms in the last year
0: in the last year okay
1: <laughs> this is not like oh it's a little minority but you know, it's so stigmatized, nobody talks about it. Nobody says, Oh, yeah, I went through that. So I'm just so like, I'm actually really honored to have this conversation. And, and, that you know, we just shared that because, because people need to know they're not alone, that it's okay, that there is life on the other side, that, you know, there are many things, many things, and that it's a normal, like, people are pushing themselves to the point of, just, yeah, not functioning and having panic attacks and having, you know, just Hmm. brain fog. You know, I mean, we can list all the symptoms, but I mean, just being so unwell, you can't function.
0: Um, Well, yeah, and so, you know, again, we kind of made reference to this a couple of times, but let's just like be crystal clear to everybody listening, right? It's like 60 to 80% of people have experienced this in the last year. Yeah. You probably, leaders, you know, people, people,
1: leaders, the people leaders. running things, leaders. Yeah.
0: And, and so chances are, if you're listening to this, right, you've probably experienced it. But I think what the point you brought up too was, I mean, I felt ashamed yeah. about it. Right. It's like, I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody, my wife at the time, right. anybody about what actually happened because I was ashamed about it. You know because it's like well here i am i'm I'm an executive i'm supposed to be like you know rambo and like this tough guy and it's like how come this little thing pushed me over the edge so i think you know like you said you're not alone if you're experiencing this and there's no shame in it either because the majority of leaders are dealing with this we're just not talking about it
1: what you described wasn't a little thing, right? Like you had people purposefully pushing you down to push themselves up, mm-hmm. and that's very typical. And if you like, if you ever go into the realm of understanding domestic abuse, the mm-hmm. patterns are exactly the same. It's just so that, because
0: one person is trying to exercise dominance and control over the other yeah, person, yeah, and using exactly. manipulative tactics to try to
1: absolutely. do that, absolutely, exactly exactly so it's it's really like that is and that's why i said you know it was a really toxic environment because that is quite toxic behavior and anybody will crack under it it's like you push somebody off a balcony they're going to break their arm like it just cause effect <laughs> right this is not fun. and yet you know i guess from all the centuries of you know ignoring mental health issues it's still it's still hard and you know, it, it's one of those two where when you're in a role where your cognitive function is your value, when that stops functioning, it's very scary. Well,
0: right? yeah, especially you, don't you want said to be blind. out
1: there going, I can't think, but I'll be a great, you know, CFO, CIO.
0: <laughs> well, and we're both left brain, right? Yeah. The, and and we're in very analytical uh you know, where thinking is important. That's what we do for a living. Right, I mean, I remember one of the guys. Uh, it was at the same company, but he was another. He was a sales leader. Their their offices were kind of right by me, so he had to walk by my office okay. every time he went to the bathroom. And I remember him stopping one time. He's like, "Jason, what do you actually do? All I do is every time I walk by, it's like you're just sitting there thinking." I'm like, "Yeah, Bob. Most of my job is thinking, <laughs> you know." So, yeah, that's what I do for a living. So, like you said, when when our thinking gets impaired or when these things happen, right. We, 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 we take it. It's an identity level thing yes. right? that, that all of a sudden it's like so damaging of, well, I'm an accountant or I'm an auditor or I'm an engineer, or I'm a doctor. And now if I can't do that job anymore, well, then I must not be worth anything. Right. Is what a lot of people end up thinking. But I love that analogy that you said too, about pushing off the balcony. Right. And the stigma around mental health, because, you know, again, if if somebody broke their arm, physical thing, yeah. right? physical health issue. I, I, unless the person is just really a jerk, they're not going to be like, come on, Sima, I know you broke your arm, but come on, lift, lift up that hundred pound thing and help me
1: exactly no. they're gonna no. be
0: like no you broke your arm I understand that uh, you know I'm gonna give you some grace I'm gonna you know whatever but when it but when it's in a mental health space right people don't think twice about it but like you said if you if you get pushed off a balcony it don't matter how strong yeah. and how whatever you are you're gonna hurt yourself when you get in some of these psychological, uh dangers you're going to get hurt no matter how strong you are and it's nothing to do with you it's just these kind of situations hurt
1: yeah exactly mm. exactly mm. and and what was I going to say don't know Skip me it'll come back if it's important <laughs> well <laughs> and
0: so let's you know I mean we, yeah. we talked about I mean again hopefully yeah. people understand it's a real thing it's a real thing. We both experienced it. Lots of people you and I coach experience uh-huh. it or are going through it. So, you know, maybe to just kind of give some people a little bit, oh. a little bit of hope. Right. I mean, both you and I are through it. Yes. Right. Through our particular experiences. So I guess first off, there's hope because we both made it yeah. through. But you know what are maybe some things that you you know kind of share with your clients to help them? Uh, you know, it's, it's not a twelve-step program, but, but... awareness, <laughs> awareness. Well, I, I'm I'm <laughs> going back to like you know Alcoholics Anonymous, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awareness
0: and realizing yeah. you have a problem is usually the first step, yeah. right? And so again, if people are listening and they're like, "Oh shit, this might be happening to me," right? what are some of the things, you know, and again, I mean, there's value in hiring somebody who's a coach, having a mentor that you can actually talk to, but, but what are some things that people can, can start to do um, to help them? Cause like I said, I mean, you do this full time. Yeah. I've got some things that I typically tell people, but.
1: Um, well, we can exchange.
0: We can exchange and yeah. share because that's the great thing, yeah. right? Is it's just like, we both have different experiences and um we can learn from each other.
1: So so I did say five, and the acronym I use is BRIGHT, B R I T. Yeah. So, and I've tried to do this out of sequence, and it's okay, but it actually works better in that order. So B is for boundaries. And it's not just like I have boundaries and you won't cross them. It's understanding what's truly important to you and making sure you're putting first things first in your whole life and you know as an executive is you're not a cookie cutter clone in our job description right you're there because of you and your vision and what you personally bring so you have to take care of the whole package of yourself and that's family and that's health and it's fitness and it's career and work like it's a whole spirituality everything it's the whole package whatever is important to you You need to be clear on what that is and put those, you know, in in Stephen Covey's language, put the big stones in the jar first, right? Okay. So that's, so it's not just boundaries for the sake of boundaries. It's really around what's important. Um, And then the second one is resilience. Mm. And resilience is around understanding two things. One is that time follows energy. So a lot of people feel if I work harder, if I write more reports, I mean, my situation, I I was, I was thinking when you were telling your story about being undermined in that meeting, I lived that and they, they hired about three people to kind of keep whittling at me and, Oh, you did this report weekly. Okay. Well, can you do this report weekly? Oh, wait, you've managed that too. Can you do this report weekly? You know? And so, um, It feels like it takes a lot of time, but actually it's taking an awful lot of energy. So you need to figure out where your energy drains are and just plug those holes. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it can be, some of that has to do with, again, what's important to you. Some of it has to do with your personality. Like some people get really extroverts, get really energized being around people and introverts need that downtime. And if you're like constantly in the opposite, you're going to get drained. Some people get really, um, fueled by nurturing people and other people get really fueled by looking at spreadsheets, you know? And, <laughs> and, yeah, and so if you're a spreadsheet person and you're trying to raise little kids, you're going to need to find a balance because you have to do both, right? Um. And so it's really understanding that you're is draining your energy and then finding ways to reduce those activities and in- increase the percentage of time you spend in your zone, like when you're in flow, when you're really feeling good. Um, and then the other part of resilience, which I think you'll appreciate is like your self talk habits mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. which is which is understanding like everything's habit, including your self talk so if every time somebody's telling you something. And that's where I was alluding a little bit to inner game. And this is the beginning of it. If every time somebody, you think I'm not enough or that wasn't enough, or I'm not showing my value or what's gonna happen if I don't finish the report and yeah, yeah, yeah." like something happens and your brain chatters at you. When you're able to turn that around to have a more um, positive self-talk, you become more resilient. Yeah. there's a whole art form to that right like that's a whole well package.
0: there there is and we can and we can jump into that too a, a little um, bit but i mean we can't give everybody everything no, today but, no. but yeah so, I, so, so so what are the yeah the, right let's go so that would be our i, I is
1: identity understanding identity. who you are what the golden thread in your life has been what is your life purpose where are you on that journey now where do you, where are you going why there's a whole process for that and then the part that people always want first what do i have to do because you, know, you have to be before you can do. Right. Um, so, so what do I have to do? So those so are the tools and techniques. Like how can you communicate better? How can you um, negotiate better? How can you deal with toxic people more effectively? What are the things that, what are the, what needs to be in your toolkit now that you understand all of this, how can you read your personality and other people's personality and, and have a more easy relationship with people who are different, like all of that. And then the last one is evolution. Like, how do you put that into practice? What's your vision? How are you? How are you reflecting on that? Are you doing that uh, on a regular basis? And um, and you know, how do you take all that forward? Because the bumps never stop, but if you're resilient to them, they're okay. It just actually kind of becomes fun. It's like the next growth yeah. cycle and game, right?
0: Well, those are it's a it's a great process to kind of go through right and it's it's um you know again that's kind of how you're helping people go through is yeah, making sure that exactly. they're going through each of these different phases but i know um i mean especially lately that whole the whole idea of identity i think is is one of so i'm i'm gonna say something that might piss some people off too but you you kind of mentioned the inner game yeah. right and i think so much of the time uh, people going through this and i myself was guilty of this of thinking well it's the other people that are causing this to happen and how dare they do this blah 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 but i wasn't taking personal responsibility i wasn't doing some of the things that i needed to do and honestly my identity of who i was as a person was tied up into my job and so if i wasn't performing well at work or if I couldn't get my stuff done, or if somebody was, uh, you know, making fun of me or harassing me or telling me that I wasn't very good, I would take all those things personally, right? Because it felt like a personal attack to my identity. And that's where it becomes really, really damaging, right? Because we're taking all of this on and we're feeling it at a core level, And then we're feeling a lot of these emotions like shame and guilt and, and anxiety or fear of what's going to happen next. Like you're walking around on eggshells and who's the next person that's going to toss a land, toss a grenade at me. Right. So you always feel like you're on, 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 on all the time. Right. And I've had several coaching clients the last little bit that that's where it's really gotten back to quick is the identity. And it's like, you know, they'll, they'll come in and they'll, it'll, it'll kind of go like this. Oh, you know, I'm working so much and working so much overtime, I'm working 60 or 70 hours a week. I'm having this, you know, issue with this particular person. I just can't quite get everything done that I want, you know, blah, 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 blah all this kind of stuff, right? And again, it's all external. And it's like, hold it, just a minute, time out, right? Decouple your identity from your job first off. Are you working 60 hours because you're putting pressure on yourself? Or is that really what your organization is expecting? And I know some organizations do expect that. But I see the vast majority of people are putting that pressure on themselves. Right? When, when it it may not even need to be there to begin with. So you can just like shrug and let stuff go up front.
1: Exactly. And that's where, right when you know what's important to you, the boundaries of resilience and the identity go together because when you know it's important to you, um, then you will shrug off the 20 hours that are maybe important to somebody else, but not really important to you. And when you have the, the, the tools to do that effectively, you'll be praised and promoted for it eventually rather than um rather than push down right so it's really like there's a lot of self-talk and fear of oh, well if i don't if i don't do that this is going to happen and sometimes like we all have to hit the accelerator sometimes right there's their project deadlines there are hard deadlines. i we moved offices you know when i first joined uh the last organization i was in it was hey congratulations uh we're we're building a new building mm-hmm. i was the cio we're building the new building <laughs> and uh, the architects have submitted the plan. We realized they forgot to put the data center on it. If you need one, let us know by Thursday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, (laughs) I I don't need it, but all of you probably want the IT systems to work, so yeah, I probably need a data center.
1: (laughs) Don't tell anybody. We scored the data center at the sacrifice of six parking spots, you know, Um, but... (laughs) but (laughs) But, you know, then we had hard deadlines because there were leases coming up. And we needed, if the building wasn't being finished on time, which buildings, you know, there are delays, then mm-hmm. we needed to figure out what was going to happen to those people and make arrangements for them. And we needed a certain amount. So, you know, sometimes there are hard deadlines and you're going to be working nights and weekends. And that's not the cause of burnout. Right. Right. Because if but you're there's, doing a you street
0: project, that, yeah, that you just get through.
1: Yeah. I mean, even me right now, I'm I'm doing some work on things that I'm finding quite enjoyable and it's very intense and I'm going to be traveling in a few weeks and I was traveling a couple weeks ago. And so like, it's a very busy period. Um, and, you know, I walked down and well, up and down an out on Sunday, right? Like I took that space for myself because I could have kept going. I could have caught up more. I could have done more. And yet that's one of my stones, like my own physical well-being, right? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, which is important. And I think too, I I feel so
1: lucky, by the way, to be able to just like, oh, I'm going to pick an Alp and walk down it on Sunday.
0: The hills are alive (laughs) with the sound of music. Right. Um, Yeah, because you live in a beautiful place. I mean, Switzerland is one of my favorite places. It's beautiful. And you have nature right around you and all those different options. And like you said, so, you know, that's part of the boundaries of look. I mean, we all need this. We all need some self-care. We need time away, however that looks for people, right? But if you're not doing some kind of self-care, even if it's just for a few minutes a day, right? Because I even suggest that to people, it's like, just listen to a couple of songs that you really like, or, you know, do some, just do something for a few minutes a day that actually make you feel happy because you know by doing that it it makes it so much easier for the rest of the time because it's kind of like you know i mean burnout we can equate to like a battery right and you keep you, you have those energy drains you know and if you're having negative self talk all those things are draining your battery draining your battery draining your battery draining your battery you have to do something right to replace and replenish and 5 minutes of singing or laughing, right, helps to raise your battery level. And if you do enough of that, you never end up getting that burnout. Right. But most of us, so, we just keep going, 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 going until we have the panic attack or, you know, high blood pressure through the roof. And physically our body says, I'm not taking this anymore.
1: So I, I read a book a long time, long, long time ago, um, way at the beginning of my, you know, sort of management development. Process at the time. And I remember it, the suggestion that they had in that book was what you're saying, like you have a battery. And what we're usually told is get the stuff you don't like to do out of the way first. But what that does is it drains you into the negative. And what this, the author of that, was suggesting was actually start your day with something that recharges, that replenishes, so that then when the dip happens you're not going below the zero line it's like you you know you don't want your bank balance to go negative right Mm -hmm. so so um i found that very helpful as a principle and in practice journaling in the morning like now i now i now i'll either journal or meditate or do some self-hypnosis or some combination of those depending how much time i have but just as a simple starter just train of thought it is not this is not literature you can burn it later but just you know oh I need to drink more coffee I'm not awake yet dot 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 blah blah listen to an interesting podcast oh I don't remember mustn't forget to feed the I can't <laughs>
0: remember because my brain is too fast yeah, I have my coffee but
1: getting all that stuff out freeze yourself freeze your um your 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 mental space for the creative thoughts the 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 downloads that are going to be really important to you and all of that so because your brain knows it's parked somewhere, you can always go back to it. It won't necessarily make a lot of sense. And it really doing it in the morning frees up your day. I mean, some people can't do it in the morning because of family obligations and they do it at other times. But that is just one simple thing that for fifteen minutes a day makes a massive difference.
0: well, and it's you know doing that in the morning helps, like you said, recharge your battery yeah. more as you as you notice during the day right that's one of the things that i i do and i suggest other people do if you if you feel like you're dipping down you know do a little timeout. go do something that will help to raise your 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 battery level right and again so some of those same things if you like to journal hey maybe journal for five minutes in the middle of the day right listen to music do some yoga do some meditation just breathe Go outside, go outside, see the sun, feel the rain. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Whatever it is, any of those little things um, can make, can make a big difference. And, and just literally like a few seconds or a few minutes can actually recharge your battery so much quicker than, than you realize and so much more than you actually realize. You know, one thing that I do sometimes is you mentioned the sun, right? is go outside spend a minute, you know, be in the sun, you know, and just, you know, feel gratitude for it and feel the energy coming into you, lightening you, raising your battery level. And again, even just for a minute, it makes a huge difference for people.
1: And going back to the identity level, what I'm inferring, and you can tell me if that's close to right, but what I'm I'm inferring from what you're saying is that you have the identity of someone who deserves to feel well. Yes. And I think if you have somebody who has an identity of I solve problems at at any expense, or you know, then they won't make those choices. Yeah, they won't because shift that identity to hey. I deserve to feel well. You will be amazed what doors open for you. It's all fiction that doors close and it's not possible and you'll be stuck and nobody will see it's, it's actually really the opposite.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's where that, that idea of self-talk that you, that you talked about, right? Because again, if we, if we have that programming from an identity perspective, Mm -hmm. we can change it. Right. But again, it's like, well, if you spent 50 years telling yourself that you're worthless and and you know, don't deserve love. I'm just making something up, right? Well, if you spent 50 years telling yourself that you're worthless and not and and not worthy of love, you gotta change it. You gotta change the story. You know, it's like it's like again, I mean, you've got a computer background, right? Is it's like you got bad code in your program. So how do you it's not fix your fault bad code? Yeah. And again, it's not your fault. Maybe somebody malicious came in. I mean, this happens all the time, right? With website hacking and other stuff. People come in, they'll put one line of malicious code in there. And it's like, all of a sudden things don't aren't working quite the way they are. They should. So how do you fix it? You got to remove or fix that line of code. And that's kind of what self-talk does to us when we think of ourselves like a computer, right? So so again, it can be as simple as, and I was talking to my friend last night about this, the, you know, the self-talk mantras and think of three and 10 is usually how I do it, but it, say it to yourself, write it down at least three times each time you do it, because until you get to three, it just doesn't start to stick. And even at three, sometimes that's not enough. That's why I tell people maybe do it 10 times. Do it three times a day, 10 times, right? And so, again, using that little thing that I had before, right, is maybe instead of saying, I don't deserve love, you say something like, I deserve love and happiness, or I'm the kind of person that is loved by others. Those kind of statements, when you start telling them to yourself, you're going to start to believe it at a subconscious level. And I know it sounds really simple. sounds really easy. And it's like simple and easy doesn't work, Jason. I, I need something hard. I need a 25 step way of doing it. And I have to, you know, offer a goat and, you know, I don't know, whatever, right? There has to be like this whole, no, it's literally as simple as that. And, you know, the three to 10, because I, I say a lot of times your your subconscious calls bullshit, right? You start saying it. And your subconscious is like, oh, you really don't mean that. You've you've spent the last 50 years telling me that you're a piece of shit. I'm not going to believe you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, four or five, six times, it's like, maybe he's serious. He keeps saying this, right? <laughs> yeah. And then by the time you get to 10, it's like, huh, well, that's interesting. Maybe he really is serious about this. And then I do it again a second time during the day. And it's like, again, first few times, ah, bullshit. I know you did it this morning, but that's not really what you mean. And the more you do it, the more you believe it, the more you change your identity, the more your subconscious comes along.
1: Absolutely. And I, um frame it in the positive. Mm-hmm. So don't say I'm, I'm not afraid. Say, you know, I am on top of it or I'm curious or so I'm whatever you are just frame it in the yeah. without the knot because your unconscious doesn't process those um, well
0: and, I, <laughs> and one thing that I've kind of noticed too is is canceling mm. that I've that I've started playing with a little bit more too which is where if we say something that we don't mean we cancel it and so we say I cancel that and you mm. say what you really meant and so yeah. it's it's oh, kind of like it. putting putting your subconscious and putting the universe on notice, like, whoa, I didn't mean that. I take that back. Let me say it the right way. Yeah. And I like that. and that actually works for you know when we're saying things, but a similar concept can be when people tell us things mm-hmm. that we don't want to believe. Right? right. So again, if somebody's wagging their finger at me and saying, Jason, you're so stupid. Right. I can choose to accept those that spell because words are magic. And when people say something like that, it's like a spell, right? And if I choose to latch onto it and say, yeah, you're right, I'm really stupid. Well, now I'm allowing that spell that they're putting on me to take hold. But I can do kind of like a proverbial, like cross, you know, no, I don't believe that right, and say, you know, I am intelligent, right, and kind of replace, instead of taking on what they're sending to you, replace it, or, or reaffirm to yourself the opposite, which you know is true, and not what they're actually telling you.
1: I do that so much with my daughter, because saying, you know, I'm a smart person who did something daft, is a different thing from saying I'm daft. Uh, Yeah. Right. So I do that a lot with her of, Hey, you're really, you know, you're, um, you're a super kind hearted kid and you, you just, you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do about it? Like, that's okay. (laughs) Like it's the behavior that was the problem, not the identity. And so as soon as somebody said, you're stupid to me, I would just be like, well, no,
0: Yep. nope I can't. Then that. I would
1: evaluate. Then I would evaluate. Did I actually do something stupid? <laughs> possibly. Possibly not. You know, I wouldn't internalize that. I wouldn't let somebody else identify like give me an identity of that. Mm-hmm. You're stupid, or you're this, or you're that.
0: Yeah, which is and interesting. So much like of it, it
1: came from childhood, right? It's these Absolutely. things, right? They this, you know, my same thing. My daughter changed schools when she was six. And went into, I guess, what, in America's first grade. And the previous school, they had taught counting one way. And the new school, they did it differently. So she was struggling. And her teacher tried to be helpful and just said, at that school, you know, you, you didn't learn um, what you needed to do this. So that's why you're, you're, you're not so good in math right now. And what she heard was, I'm not good at math. Mm-hmm. and it took a long time to say you know you're good in math you have the potential to be good in math whether you love it or not it's a different story and that was really just a uh, a comment from somebody who was trying to be helpful it had to do with that transition it doesn't define you right and it takes somebody with a lot of coaching experience to be able to do that most kids would just grow up thinking they're bad at math I'm someone who's bad at math you know or i'm someone who's good at math or i'm someone and it wasn't malicious like the malicious code like it is malicious code once it's inside but it's not it wasn't it was done with a really positive intention the teacher was genuinely trying to help her understand why she was struggling so you know it and then we go through you know school and university and all those things that our clients would typically have done as executives And all the way through that, you're taught, like, you have to be competitive, you have to be at the top of the bell curve, you have to be this, you have to be that. And so all of a sudden, somebody tells you, you don't, it's like, what? (laughs) It's like, you can be, and you can also be healthy, and well, and whole, and many other things, right?
0: Well, and yeah, you don't have to be, I mean, I think earlier on, you made a comment about, you know, a lot of times executives think they kind of have to be a carbon copy mold of what's in the job description everybody has to be a robot do things the same way and no you can be authentic to who you are you can be quirky you can you know be whatever it is that you are and still be successful at it but we've we've told ourselves these stories we have that programming we've had the the negative self-talk that just kind of reinforces all of that but we can change it we can okay. change it, right? Yeah. And and I think too, you so, know, I mean, just to kind of, you know, wrap up, because it's been a great conversation too, right? I mean, about a lot of- Time's
1: flown! I
0: know time has flown and it's like, well, we could be here for three hours, but you know, we can't do that. Both of us have stuff we got to get onto. But I think, I think it's, um, <clears throat> I guess just to kind of wrap up, maybe I wanted to, because we kind of made reference to this at the beginning, but around this whole idea of boundaries. To and the fact that um most people don't actually set those boundaries and it's killing people right yeah. is is you know i use this analogy right every time you point a finger at somebody you got three pointing back at yourself right <laughs> and so um so i will i will go on record as i have many times but organizations today for the most part are killing people they're they're putting their employees in sla- in modern day slavery effectively and and treating them like cattle like some some tool and not treating them like a human and so because of that obviously there's a lot of those pressures and things that are coming on people are getting sick people are dying all these things that are happening you know and again both of our experiences Kind of along that vein, right? In organizations that are like putting the pressure on the culture, the politics of you have to be competitive. You have to, if you're going to get ahead, you have to, you know, cut the other person's Achilles so you can get past them, right? And, and we buy into that, but we don't have to buy into that. And, and, you know, the whole idea of, I mean, again, I just had a conversation with a, a friend about this where, you know, she was overworked, but part of it was again, her wanting to do a lot more than was actually expected. Yep. And so again, when you start to put those boundaries on and you realize or kind of walk away and separate it and it's like, you know what, all my company really requires is me to show up 40 hours a week and, and maybe put out these five reports. So what if I could just be happy doing that and I can go walk in the Alps and I can take my daughter to, you know, whatever, you know, spend yep. some more time sure. with my family or do other things like that, that a lot of times it's up to us to start setting the boundary before we get to that point. So, you know, how do you kind of help help clients or what are what are kind of some suggestions maybe for people to... To set boundaries because i think again we we talked a little bit about the identity the resilience but what does a boundary kind of look like
1: so just a side note before that which is top performing organizations don't behave that way so if your organization does have that culture it's probably in the bottom percentage and it will catch up to them just side note all the research shows that um uh for the boundaries what, what I like to do is just go through a process of, I actually have a a, a tool for it, but just go through a process of really um, looking at what's really important to you. Um, one good thing to do is just to make the list of, Oh, if I had time, I would do I would garden and I would paint and I would read and I would jog and I would sail and I would ski and I would, right. <laughs> make the list. And then how much time would you actually spend in a day or a week? doing each of those activities like yeah i love gardening but i'm not going to do five days a week of gardening i might want to do two hours a week of gardening well that means that i need to free up two hours mm-hmm. okay now what can i automate or delete or delegate that frees up that time mm-hmm. and then actually give yourself permission to to use the time even if it's half an hour to start Well, you're doing a half an hour more gardening than you were Using gardening as an example, obviously, everybody's different what they want to do. But, you know, so I find looking at that and then putting the time for for that in your calendar, like blocking that out. So maybe it's your lunchtime, so maybe it's your morning. To, you know, everybody's schedule is completely different. And what works for each person is different. But make sure that is there first and work your meetings around it.
0: Well, and then again, once you've kind of identified it or have it discreet, then you can you can start planning for it. Yeah. Right, and like you said, any anybody, no matter how busy you are, anybody can find fifteen or thirty minutes yeah. or an hour a day for things. You know, quit. You know, reduce your time on social media. Don't watch TV as much. Don't right again. There's lots of these different things that you could yeah. choose to replace with. Um, you know, which which is really interesting. Like that to be able to set those boundaries. And start doing more of what it is that you actually want to do, right? And and I think too, you know, one thing that I suggest because you said, you know, cut it, cut it out, delete it, automate it, delegate it, right? That's a common leadership thing to try to find more time. But what I'm encouraging people to do too, and well, and you know this from being a CIO, right? When whenever you uh, put in a new system, one of the steps kind of in the project is stop sending out the reports from the old system and see who complains, right? (laughs) Because a lot of times what happens is over time, you know, maybe you're sending out 500 reports a month, but people only read 20 of them, right? And so you just stop sending them. You just stop doing it and see if anybody complains. And so, again, I was talking about this with a friend. and, um, and And there was this piece of work that she had to do paper that she had to review because she's a professor right and so normally I mean it's like a hundred page document for somebody dissertation and all this kind of stuff she'd normally spend like two and a half hours maybe on it but after we had the discussion she's like you know I'm not the chair I'm just on the advisory panel I don't need to spend that much time she only spent like 15 or 30 minutes on it instead of two and a half hours Right. So again, there's some found time, there's a boundary of, you know, again, when you stop and you think about, you know, what, what boundaries are really, and, and, and not put these additional pressures on yourself, right. That only you're the only one putting it on. Right. Cause you know, she wasn't going to get kudos for spending two and a half hours on it. No, as long never. as she did the minimum of what was required, that's all that was necessary. So
1: every quarter I go through a whole series of questions as I look forward to what I want for the next quarter. one of them is when I, you know, if I've, when I've achieved what I want, looking back, what did I let go of mm to get there? And I love that question. Like what was I grateful for? And, and, and what do I, you know, what did I do to get there? That's one set of things. What did I let go of is probably the most important.
0: Yeah. It comes to
1: mind, come to mind and it just appears. And then you know what you have to really let go of.
0: Yeah, because it's good from a reflective standpoint, but also, like you said, of what do I need to let go of to maybe put the things in my life that I want to have in my life, Yeah. right? Because we have to destroy, we have to get rid of before we can let more in. Exactly. And a lot of times people, we don't, we don't think about that.
1: Um, Driving with the getting, brakes on, you know, mm-hmm, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do nah, that. Yeah, I have to let go of the brake pedal.
0: <laughs> yeah, let go of the brake pedal. Put the emergency brake back where it belongs. Let's go. Let's exactly. go. Exactly. Well, Sima, thank you. Um, This is- oh, um, Thank
1: you, Jason.
0: We ended really up talking great. about a lot of different things. But again, whether people are executives or not, um, it's, this is a real issue for everybody.
1: It's a real right issue there. for everybody. I focus Same. on leaders because that if it has a trickle on impactful change so broadly. And I just want that change. And I know it supports everybody because it, every it's a human experience. It's part of what our growth and what we learn. Yeah. Everybody's
0: no, so I appreciate it. You got some practical stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people can realize they're not alone. Uh, the bright, you know, boundaries, resilience, identity, tools and techniques and evolution, kind of a good process. Mm-hmm you know, for people to think about and go through. So, um, so thank you. And well, thank you know, again, you. for, you know, for people that are listening and are like, man, I really like this lady. I need to connect with her. How do they, how, how's the best way for people to reach out, reach out to you?
1: Probably email info at executivereflections.com, all one word.
0: Okay. Or and on Flo. LinkedIn.
1: See, Manuel.
0: And LinkedIn. Yeah. Right. LinkedIn yep. is where I'm at too. In fact, yeah, I think that exactly.
1: yeah. We're connected. So if you find we're Jason connected. You always find me.
0: <laughs> always find me.
1: And that's how we reconnected, right? Because we were connected.
0: On- yeah, because you listened oh, to so. the podcast and then you sent me a direct message on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's how we got yeah. back. So
1: yeah.
0: So thank you, my thank you. friend. And um, thank you. You know, blessings to you. Fun and
1: conversation. I the mean, people... hard topic, but fun conversation because it's
0: well, Make... it's yeah, it's a serious, but it's it's an important topic, yeah. right? Because I'm I'm tired of seeing people um, burned out, you know, having these mental health issues. Uh, we got to stop it. I mean, it's yep. it's literally killing people, and we got to stop it.
1: Got to stop it um,
0: because we all need to live healthy, vibrant, long lives, um, and you can, you right? Can. Because again, there's there's help on the other side of the rainbows. so thank you thank you thank you and uh everybody listening we'll see you on the next episode thanks for listening and that's a wrap thanks for listening the fact that you listened to this entire episode means you got value and others will too do me a favor and leave a five-star review with comments and then share with others You can also check out all of my videos on my YouTube channel and my website, jasonmefford.com. This podcast is primarily for education and commentary and does not represent professional advice. Views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.